Hi friends, you are listening to an episode of Creating Things Together. This episode is actually pretty unique because we have our good friend Katie Bouet here with us. Hi Katie. Hola. She is going to talk to us for the next hour about so many amazing things. And I want to let you guys know right off the bat, all of Katie's information, all of the places that you could follow her on social will be linked in the show notes and or description if you're watching this on YouTube. Before we start this episode, I did want to make it abundantly clear. We did have some audio issues with microphone frequencies, so our mics may not sound as crisp as normal, but... Everything that Katie says is pure gold, so that will more than compensate for our stupid microphone frequency issues. But without further ado, friends, enjoy the episode with Katie Bouet. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Creating Things Together. I'm not James. I'm Christina. This is a microphone. This is James, and this is Katie, our friend, our amazing outdoor advocate. She is a human being, and she's one of our favorite people. Full disclaimer, we recorded this a couple weeks ago, and the microphone just went to hell. So we are re-recording this, and we're going to have an amazing, focused conversation, and we're going to go off the rails, mm-hmm. right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, first 10 minutes, we can keep it on the rails, but after that, it's just whatever. Wow. Let's just go crazy. Hi, Katie. You know? That's how I roll off the rails. Yeah, and you were telling me that, you know, this is like your 38th recording this week. So this is my fourth recording this week. This week was my first ever, one of my major career goals was to be on NPR. I have realized the dream. Yes. Was that fun? Did you enjoy that? I imagine that would be a lot of fun, but also maybe a little bit intense it was a lot of fun a little intense okay it was a really big topic we were talking about geotagging okay and it's a topic that you know i could spend hours talking about but instead i had 15 minutes Mm. i'm like you know and of that i share it yeah i had like a minute of airtime of 15 minutes of a total segment so right right learning things could have been worse could be like cnn where you get like 30 seconds and they could have been looking at my face too, which would have really not been a good look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just audio. Just audio. Oh, okay. All right. Or did you like call in via phone call? Because I feel like your audio was pretty good. Yeah, I was just on Skype. Oh, okay, Skype. Mm-hmm. Got it. Skype, industry standard. Did you have a fancy mic or was it just raw and real? Just my headphones. Oh, well, they really, they did good. Two claps for NPR. Thank you. <laughs> that was my NPR impression. Just an applause. Um, so Katie, uh, you are into outdoor advocacy and I want to get into that more later on. And this is a little bit different than what we did last time when everything failed. We had to keep Um, it interesting. We're not going to do like the same thing. Right. Uh, we're going to flip flop a little bit. I'm, before we get heavily into that, I want to talk about, um, how you go about Instagram and your sort of content strategy. What, at whatever level of establishment you would consider your content strategy to be, but you're, you seem to be very, very intentional. You have photos, which makes sense because it's Instagram. It would be weird if it was like, I don't know, songs or like a paper mache hats or something. Some I, people that make a living off Instagram making paper mache hats. Yeah, so I just don't know how you upload it. That's my thing. <laughs> but um, underneath, you basically write blog posts. And they are sometimes, there's, they're sometimes completely connected and sometimes a little bit semi-disconnected to what you see in the photo. So you have an interesting creative way of going about it. 
So how have you cultivated that? I think that tactic is a lot of the classic sneaking the veggies into your kid's pasta technique, oh, yes. which is, here's a lovely photo of my dog Spaghetti having a great time outdoors. <laughs> And now we're going to drop some knowledge about leave no trace ethics. <laughs> and so it's that combination of taking, you know, the strength of the platform of Instagram, mm -hmm. which is really powerful, beautiful, captivating imagery, especially the, the community that I'm in, it's these great adventure photos and beautiful outdoor landscapes. And then I kind of reel it all back in mm -hmm. with my messaging and mm -hmm. the Neil, the real nitty gritty. The real deal. on my face. Sorry. <laughs> 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 it felt a little drippage. I was like, I gotta make sure nothing's going on here. That would be very distracting. While That's you're why audio to... is nice, but once you add video in, yeah. things get dangerous. But it's weird because you're looking at me the whole time, and we try to create an intimate setup here, and then the whole time, I, I, I don't want it just to be like you staring at my nostrils. How are my nostrils? You're looking great. They're a little dry. One can be distracted by a stray booger. I told you guys, we're getting we're getting crazy. It hasn't been 10 minutes yet, and here we are off the rails. <laughs> talking about stray boogies um no so i love that i love that you it's like you don't let the art of photography take away from the story the story is what kind of leads everything and then you just kind of use a solid photo of your dog or you painting pizza um you know something along those lines to communicate what you're going after or some of the things that are exciting you at that moment Totally. I am not a photographer. I'd like to think I have a very good eye, but photography is certainly not my thing. That's not my lane. But um, you are very good. I can capture a good image. I can slap a nice filter on it, and then I can get to what I'm really trying to get at, which is the messaging beneath the photo. Have you always been that way, or have you had to come, like, have a come-to-Jesus moment of, you know what, I'm not a great photographer, but I've always loved writing. That's what I went to school for. Um, and I'm just gonna kind of dive in in the writing lane and just kind of let my pictures be pictures. It's been back and forth. I have, you know, I bought at the time it was brand new Nikon D7000 mm -hmm. and um, really tried to be a photographer. Um, I, you know, I think if it, like any skill or art form, if I put enough energy into it, I'm sure I could hone my skills, mm -hmm. but realizing that. I'm, I can, what I need to capture, I can capture with my iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people need to understand that, that it's, it should start with a story and that, um, a lot of times your iPhone can get you all the way there. You only need something stronger than that or something more, uh, technically dynamic than that for specific things. But yeah, I think that, and the, you know, one thing that the iPhone has that, is hugely uh, beneficial towards creating photos, especially when you're alone in the wild, is a little thing called a self-timer. And and that's a good way, you know, and I, I haven't spent a lot of time poking around with the self-timer. Uh, I haven't figured out that art form. You're probably better at self-timer than I am. I'm, I'm really good Even at though I'm an adventure photographer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a self-timer, and then there's the trick, too, of um, taking a video. Mm -hmm. So you have, you, mm -hmm. take, you take a video. Yeah. And it's whatever, if it, yeah, if it's you're trying to like run up and down a hill or for climbing, I'll do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then you can just pause it, mm -hmm. take a little screen right, grab, right, right, right. which, you know, the quality certainly suffers. But if you're not trying to make it as a photographer, I think that 
your audience. Well, you're not holding on to some romantic notion that a lot of photographers have that, that you have to do things a certain specific type of way in order for it to be a quote-unquote real photo. You're trying to tell a story and you're using the means you have at your disposal to accomplish that. Also, and I think you do that well, and I think you do that very creatively. That's one of the things I'm, I'm so fascinated about with you and the way that you create content is you come at it from a different perspective than even somebody like I would um, or, or any number of, you know, travel photographers on Instagram that have spent years and years and years just focusing on photography. There's actually downfalls to that. Does photo quality really matter, though, on Instagram with compression? Can yes. just, yeah, it does. It does. I've, I've tried to be like, oh, this photo's, I know this is kind of like blurry. It's not the best, mm -hmm. but this is good enough for Instagram and it's not. Yeah. Was, mm -hmm. so for me, I feel like I've been going through a journey of the, okay, what is my, like, do I need to learn how to use this fancy camera or can I just use my iPhone? And it's been sort of a, uh, almost like a morning mourning a loss of, okay, this is not me, mm. but really grasping what is me, how do I do it, how do I do it amazingly, um, was that like a thing for you, or did you just kind of, I guess, go the direction that you knew you needed to go, and it was more of an easy transition? It was more like Nikons are really heavy cameras, and mm -hmm. I started being sick of carrying it in my backpack all the time, so I just started using my iPhone, and then portrait mode came out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And why would I ever take my DSLR out when I could just take portrait mode? Bokeh. Mm -hmm. But that bokeh, it's mm. Mm -hmm. mm. And I think a lot of times what holds us back from creating is like our mindsets get locked into these certain rigid linear pathways, and when you finally when you find a new creative route a lot of times it's because you you were able to take and you're able to see a new perspective maybe from hanging out with another creator you see how they do things you're like oh i didn't know you do it that way and then you break out of that box and then liberty and then your photos become something totally new that you never expected that they would burst so up something you were searching for but you didn't quite know how to get to it and then you realize Oh, I can just shoot my iPhone, and then you realize you don't have to carry the thing with you anymore. You don't have to carry the bag with you anymore, and then and then you can set the iPhone on the rock, and you take the exactly the photo you want to take. Yeah, and the, the equipment when you're an iPhone photographer is so much easier. I have a little mm -hmm. tiny tripod. I have a little remote uh, uh, clicky thing, clicky thingy. Mm -hmm. guy. You guys are watching the video right now. I'm doing a little clicky yeah, motion, clicky motion with my hand. Yes, and it's just so easy and simple and. My work isn't photography. Mm -hmm. My work is the storytelling. So as long as I can capture the image that gets the job done, mm -hmm. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Capturing images that gets jobs done is really good. There you go. <laughs> so, your, so your work is message first, and then everything is built on top of that. Um, what do you see... How do you think that you could improve that over time from where you are now? Have you thought about that a lot? Improve what? Improve like the way that you're sharing your, your the way that you're telling your story and sharing your message on Instagram or elsewhere. Oh yeah. There's this thing called MySpace as well. Oh. Yeah. I hear it's very up and coming. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. The bulletins are a big deal right now. So. Wow. Yeah. So for improvement and strategy, I think there's always 
you know, there, there's always room to grow. I'm very much of that mindset of like being a lifelong learner and you can always improve your craft. And with what I found is that uh, this education component of my work and, and my messaging is what really connects with people. People want to learn, people want resources, people want to have information and gain access to something on Instagram that will empower them to do something bigger. And at first it was kind of willy nilly. This is what I want to talk about today. Like, oh, hey, let's talk about environmentalism today. Hey, let's talk about plastic waste today or eating less meat. And people really responded to that. So I'm recognizing the responsibility that I have to deliver mm -hmm. and to do it in a more intentional way, in a more thoughtful way. And so my brand manager, Kristen, love you, Kristen, and I are creating a whole calendar right now. So I put out a call to my community and I said, hey guys, I've been having such a great time learning with you. These community conversations that we're having and learning moments that we're sharing on Instagram are so powerful and I want to do more and do better and truly serve you. So what do you want to talk about? So I got a couple hundred comments, different ideas from people. And yesterday, Kristen and I sat at a coffee shop and just went through the whole list. Mm. And we built out an entire curriculum of everything from Leave No Trace 101 to figuring out how to be a more conscious consumer when it comes to fashion, to wanting to be um, a more responsible, like camper with your dog, all these different topics in three main buckets, which for me are outdoor advocacy, sustainability, and community. Mm. So now we're taking all these ideas, kind of prioritizing them based on, um, you know, a few people want to learn about boundary waters, which is a really timely, uh, it's a really timely issue. There's a lot popping up about it right now, kind of like relevance popping up in the news again. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out like what is our calendar going to look like and she also told me that i have to start posting six to seven times a week okay which mm. to me sounds like daily a lot of time on mm -hmm. instagram mm. but what do you do now i'm i'm like a four to five times a week okay that's still pretty freaking good it's yeah. still pretty good but if you post six to seven times a week on instagram you uh, mm -hmm. the average engagement rate is like 56 percent higher well wow so and there's a difference in like six to seven times a week and six to seven times a week consistently yes <laughs> actually actually adding a schedule to mm -hmm. that idea is is a big deal so it's interesting then it becomes there's a tension there every day you wake up you're like crap i'm gonna post it well if you plan properly and have your life together like our good well, friend that's, Katie does. That's, that's the point, right? <laughs> is, is I'm going through this phase additionally right now, like at the same time as while well, I'm allegedly apparently now committing to posting seven times a week on Instagram, I'm also trying to reprioritize the amount of time that I spend in the digital space mm -hmm. and making it more intentional and more efficient yeah. and spending more time like not looking at screens or touching my phone at all and just being present in the real world and interacting with the world around me. So it's like, how do we do both at the same time? Yeah. And I think that it is possible. Okay. But report back in a few months. Let's see how this works. Let me know how that works out for you. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> I think the more you, like, I think the more you intentionally uh, remove yourself from the digital and social media world, the more effective your time on there is. Because whenever you do get on there, well, you have to choose this part too, I suppose. Whenever you do get on there intentionally, it is focused time. It's like setting a timer for yourself 
focused energy towards a specific thing that you're trying to share as opposed to just kind of meandering, which is what social media encourages us to do is just meander. Open the thing, scroll, explore Yeah, I read tab. something, um, it was a, a, I think it was like a Honda commercial actually, that says <laughs> the average person scrolls 300 feet on social media. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's absolutely insane. 300 feet. So, I'm, so I'm curious with how you're going to, and I'm sure this is something that you're exploring right now, with how you're going to go about making sure you have enough good quality photos that aren't just like, okay, I just need to go out and get something. Do you, Are you going to batch create? So when you go down to Moab, you're just going to do a crap ton and then within that, while you're batch creating, are you going, okay, this photo could be for this kind of topic. How are you going, like, what's your process behind that so, so far? It typically isn't pairing the photo with the topic because I've got a pretty solid aesthetic going on and like visual vibe mm -hmm. that I think is, you know, honoring what Instagram originally was is you are in it for the images mm -hmm. and trying to be real with folks and that idea of, you know, sneaking in the education. Mm -hmm. um, I create with the purpose of like, what's gonna look good, what's gonna fit into my feed. Um, does this vibe with like the aesthetic that I'm going for? Um, colors are a lot, it's like a lot of warm colors, a lot of oranges and yellows and some greens right now. And then after that, pairing it with, to be totally honest, the image and the topic connecting aren't a, a big priority for me. Mm -hmm. um, because that's just not the way it rolls. Yeah. I, I capture them first with a good picture and then we roll into the topic. And yeah, it's gonna be a lot of batch creating. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I had a good stockpile of photos for a while and I was really stoked on the amount of content that I was sitting on. I'm like, I'm good, I'm gonna be great for a few months of Instagram, it's gonna look so good. And now it's, the, the pool is dwindling mm -hmm. and so, Which means you have to go on another trip. Yeah, you want to go to Moab soon? Let's do it. I'm dead serious. Do you batch shoot a lot though? Like when you go out, is it is it I'm gonna like take 15 photos or is it just hope for the best? Or do I take one, I'm gonna take, make sure I take a photo of this specific thing today? How does that work for you? It depends. It's, it's a lot of, hey Brody, can you please take a picture of me and spaghetti over here? Ah, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Mostly, it's, uh -huh. you know, I I love to go out on a trip with the intention of it being a content creation trip. I know Christina and I have done mm -hmm. that before, and mm -hmm. I love that. Where good you're just times going that out. I know. Yeah, good times, and just like going out there with some girlfriends to take some photos. Oh, you're talking about this well. You weren't. Yeah, like, you, you weren't there, James. Sorry. I was thinking about Idaho. Mm -hmm. we really I, just, I was really happy that, like, I was enjoying this dream world that I was one of the girls. <laughs> yeah, not today. Guess not. Not one today. Day. No. Um, but maybe next time. Mm -hmm. But thank you. So it's it's a hodgepodge mm -hmm. of all of the above. I like how cattywampus. I like how cattywampus it is. It makes me. It almost makes adventuring a bit more. No, just kidding. A bit less stressful. A bit more peaceful for me mm -hmm. because, like, yes, you are intentional, and this is something James was mentioning. Idaho. Side note: We went to Idaho about eight months ago and did a photo excursion, which was really fun. Um, but watching you capture. And Idaho was like, oh, she doesn't seem like she's stressed out right now. She seems like she's having a good time, but she's remembering, hey, take a picture of me next to this massive waterfall. And then, you know, 
two weeks later you posted it. And I was like, wait, I don't have to overthink everything. I just have to capture and then let the story develop afterwards. And I have these images to, I guess, represent the message that I'm trying to share. So, yeah, yes, for I love me, that. The, the policy work that I do, like the kind of hard outdoor advocacy stuff, is so stressful and anxiety inducing that I just can't let that be part of my content creation strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the capturing of these images, I wanna keep it authentic, I wanna keep it fun, I want that to translate in my photos. And for his poses, often he's like, here, take a picture of me and spaghetti. It's, it's like candid. It's, I'm not going to find a spot on Google Maps and be like, ooh, I want a spot, of, like a picture of me standing right there on that rock and it's going to look so good. Like, no. Well, I'm just going to go outside mm -hmm. and capture a lot, I think is another big tip for me. It's like, just capture a bunch. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll shoot like 15 photos of the same whatever, mm -hmm. put the phone back in my pocket, and then two weeks later, I'll go back and be like, okay, one of these is going to have to be good. Yeah, and it usually is. Mm -hmm. Just hope for the best. You spray and pray. Exactly, spray and pray. <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I mean, I could talk about just content stuff. Honestly, it's just really more selfish than anything. I didn't butcher the last podcast. I just wanted to talk to you about how you create things. Just and that's for another hour. I think it's very fascinating to both of us mm -hmm. the way that you do because I and another thing is. With every creator, you might find them on Instagram and you might think that they're semi-interesting or you might think they're not so interesting at all, but the more you dig into them, and the reason I know this is because I, my, all of the videos I post on my channel currently are about me breaking down photographers for 30 minutes straight. So I'll start with a photographer that I'm semi-interested in and then as I write about them, as I sit down and, uh, and outline everything I want to talk about and find the photos, they become more and more interesting to me as I dig into them. And so I've learned that you can do that with almost any artist where you, where you can sit, if you look at them at face value, they're semi-interesting, but when you start to pay attention to the nuances of how they go about what they do and what makes them different, uh, it becomes way more interesting. But one of the things I want to ask you was, there, what do you think is, uh, for people who are into, for example, outdoor ad advocacy, what's the interface point between the message and the art? Obviously, you found this for yourself in a pretty specific way, but because you speak about how important it is to put the um, broccoli with the ice cream, <laughs> right? I like broccoli and mac and cheese. Broccoli and ice cream sounds suspicious. <laughs> I don't know that any child is going to go along with that. But if, <laughs> if you can, if you grind it up into small enough like little pieces, sprinkles. right? Yeah, little sprinkles on. I don't know what you're up to here, mom, but this is disgusting. <laughs> how, how would you? How would you? What would you say to people who are trying to figure this out for themselves? How do you get the broccoli into the ice cream? So the the photos of the broccoli. No, the photos, the photos are the ice cream, the ice, cream. ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. The messaging is the broccoli. So with all things in outdoor advocacy and anytime you're trying to share a message or get people on board or something is you have to meet people where they're at. Mm. So people are on Instagram to look at beautiful stuff and to get stoked and inspired, you know, mm. specifically in the outdoor space, they're there to get inspiration for their next road trip or to get really stoked on like public lands and how beautiful they are. So you have to meet people there. People aren't logging on to Instagram because they're like, I want to learn about leave no trace today. Mm -hmm. 
but you can capture them with the really dope photo of my van mm -hmm. and then segue them into the leave no trace. You have to, with all things in advocacy work, you have to meet people where they're at. And so on Instagram, meeting people where they're at means giving them the goods, giving them these really cool, contrasty, beautiful, mm -hmm. vibes. my hair's flowing in the wind or mm -hmm. whatever photos mm -hmm. that get their attention, get them connected, and then provide a pathway to the meat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if anything, just make them stop scrolling. Yeah, yeah, no. just, uh, yeah. Uh, I feel like people, the best photos are the ones that people are just scrolling and then they have to go back a little bit and like, wait a second, what was that about? Um, something that I mentioned to you several times at this point about how you share the message of outdoor advocacy. I just think it's very strategic from what I understand. You do it in a way that isn't abrasive. You do it in a way that almost makes you kind of joke around. A good example, I sent you the video. We were in Idaho recently. We found, I think, a piece of plastic on the ground and James just picked it up and just shouted, hey, leave no trace. And that was, it was almost kind of trolling, but at the same time, you're thinking about it you're sitting on a rock, you see something. Ah, that was, that was the, that was the ice cream. The humor was the ice the cream. The humor was the broccoli. ice cream was the message. Yeah. yeah. So you do it in different ways and you do it in ways that, like I said, it's not abrasive. I appreciate that because it has honestly made me a more thoughtful human being. If I'm sitting on a rock and I see some fishing line, this also happened yesterday. I'll just wrap it up on my hand and just kind of stick it. And it's not very much but it's something and i want you to speak on i guess that part of the journey of how to basically convert someone to a person that just just sprays diesel on the lawn to water their grass <laughs> take somebody from that to oh like you're a complete vegan and you have animals that you just love and they're your best friends and they're all cows the moment you do that i'll be right back because i have to take care of my nostrils here we go. He is leaving. That didn't happen in the NPR one, did it? No, not in the NPR one. So for me, again, it all goes back to meeting people where they're at and building relationships. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to try and teach somebody something or try and get them to shift their mindset or their perspective, you have to have a real relationship with them. You have to have a real connection to them. Mm -hmm. If I was some random person who was like, Hey, Christina, you better pick up trash next time you go outside. You'd be like, I'm sorry, who are you? And I'm never picking up trash again. Yeah, why are you telling me this? Like, yeah. absolutely not. Screw you. I'm out of here. I'm not picking up trash. Like, mm -hmm. even though it is a good thing to do, it's you can't just come at somebody and start flinging stuff at them and mm -hmm. expect it to stick. Yeah. But if you have a relationship with someone and you're presenting it in a genuine way, an authentic way, it's like, hey, I care about you. I'm sharing this with you because I'm invested in you as a human mm -hmm. and I want to share this experience with you. Then you can make some changes, mm -hmm. but you have to start where people are. You can't, you have to reach down in order to lift somebody up to where mm -hmm. you are. You can't just shout Except at them, them from above them and be like, Hey, I'm all the way up here. You should get up here too. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to help you get there, mm -hmm. but you better get over here or else you're wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, there are, certainly all types of activism and advocacy are needed you know we do need people who are much more hardline who are kind of like 
shouting at the rooftops. Mm -hmm. But we also need people who take the opposite approach. And I think that what's really important is that like the two sides are acting in collaboration with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of respect for the people who take a harder stance on things because it takes a lot of energy and it's really hard to do. It's like a huge burden to place upon yourself to be on that extreme side of the spectrum mm -hmm. of trying to change people's minds. Because people need to understand too that something is like that serious and important. So like veganism, for example, mm -hmm. which gets triggered heated. Everyone's triggered heated every time. But so you do need people on one side who are like, we're killing baby animals, this is awful. And also the meat industry is literally ruining our planet and we're all gonna die because you people are eating burgers still. Because mm -hmm. that, that like helps set the stage for how important and like vital of a topic this is but also we need people on the other end of the spectrum such as myself we're like hey i see you love burgers mm -hmm. let me tell you it is actually pretty bad for the earth mm -hmm. maybe you would consider going meatless on mondays step one one day of the week one day of the week and then eventually we've got you on seven days a week and then eventually i can pass you on to those other end of the spectrum activists mm -hmm. who can really nail it in and take you to the next level on a topic because you're ready for it. But you have to get people ready for it. You have to get people. You have to kind open. of soften them. You have to, yeah, you have to like crack them open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, like, I guess, how did that get instilled in you? Like, how did that, like, why aren't you one of the crazy people? Why are you so, you know what, I'm just going to share some stories about my dog spaghetti and then also, guess what, there's a wildfire. Do you know why there's a wildfire? Because X, Y, Z. I, first why of all, you, you know, they're not crazy. Other end of the spectrum people, mm -hmm. different approach to advocacy people. But for me, it's just always, I think empathy has been a cornerstone of my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, it is like the bedrock of who I am as an individual. And so this ability to always connect with another person's perspective and to be able to see how another person is viewing something, mm -hmm. I think is the real key to that. You know, it's, that's like such a gift that I have. And I don't think everyone has that. You, know? you said something the last podcast that we did um, about a college professor that you had. Yeah. About empathy, basically. Yeah, that was, so like the greatest compliment I think I've ever received was from um, a college professor who I studied under for a number of years on human rights issues. And I was specifically looking at, um, in my time with him, researching the treatment of um, gays in the Holocaust, mm -hmm. which is like, doesn't get covered a lot. Yeah, turned out there's a lot there. But the, the compliment that he left me with after our time together was that he had never met someone who was so wholly able to see both sides of an issue and be able to connect with people on both sides of that issue and remain empathetic throughout. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought that's, that's a really, I think that's a really rare and special thing to have. So yeah. I want to use that. It takes a level of humility. Is that a word? Humility? He, okay. Humbility. Humbility, folks. Humbility. Yep, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's not a word I'm guessing. Humility. Humility is the, you know, past participle of humbility. I think okay. humility is key. And 
more than humility is being willing to acknowledge and work on ego mm. constantly. Because mm. I think that's something, you know, people trying to be like, oh, I'm, I'm like above my ego or like we're kind of like ashamed of our ego, which for good reason. Ego is kind of a hmm, mm-hmm. messy, ugly thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's being able to reckon with your ego and identify it and grapple with it and understand like when you're acting for ego versus when you're acting for true empathy and being able to have those honest conversations about that mm-hmm. yourself. I am under the, I'm back by the way. I made a full recovery. Thank you guys for your prayers. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm, and I believe that one of the greatest problems we have in society is a lack of empathy. I agree, 500%. Yeah. Um, and I also think that people aren't able to get through people's communication styles to their message because people say things in a way that feels abrasive to them. And because of that, they'll, sh- they'll to some degree, shut them out. Um, I don't think they fully just disregard them. Maybe they do. I don't know. It certainly seems like some people do. But uh, at the very least, they don't listen to them or they're, they, they're polarized by them. Well, that's ego. That, that's yeah. Their ego is what's shutting down. They don't like the way that someone is presenting someone, so our ego is what's shutting that down because we're like, ooh, this isn't being delivered in the way that I like. It's, it's and tough. that goes back to the way that I want. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough because I'm the kind of person that, the way I speak is very, like, if, if I have any struggle, it's, beca- it's being too agreeable in the way that I talk to people and too mm. uh, diplomatic. But I have to remember that that's actually a strength, right? A lot of people can't pull that off well. Well, it's a strength until, I, I'm the same way, and it's a strength until it becomes our weakness. Exactly. Until right? you start enabling. Until we start, exactly. right, we start coddling or we become the doormat. Mm-hmm. I Many times in my life, in many past relationships, I was like the doormat. And so realizing that, like, yeah, empathy is great and compassion mm-hmm. is great, but also being confident in being direct mm-hmm. and honest. Yeah. An agreeable person needs to practice bravery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big Ooh, thing. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Bravery, courage. Um, in, in conversations, be able to uh, step up and say what you need to say so that people can uh, be, can hear the truth in a way that maybe they haven't heard it before. And that's when being a diplomatic person actually becomes a strength for you again because you're not going to be overly aggressive. You're going to be very careful and, and measured and precise with how you say things. And that's incredibly important. I think we need more of that because we have a lot of reckless talkers. I'm a reckless talker. Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm the polar, well, I don't want to say polar opposite because I'm sure there could be more polar, but I'm very much different in that way. I'm more aggressive. I have, like, when you say ego, my first thought is, like, in our relationship, it's just ego. And I'm sometimes the barrier between getting past whatever the thing is. And in terms of what you do, I learned from you in so many ways, Katie. I don't even think you understand it. Like, this makes me happy. Yeah. So, in terms of how you handle, you know, speaking about issues in the outdoors, seeing how you handle that makes me... I guess, adjust how I handle other things in life, mm. aside from outdoors, mm. personal relationship stuff, because wow. I- Wow, that's no. big. He's happy to hear that. No, that's, <laughs> that's just a big statement. No, it that's is. Like, and that, that's what I'm trying to do in all of this. You know, I get some kickback from some people sometimes who are like, do you really think that 
encouraging folks to pick up a piece of trash every time they go outside is going to save the world. And I'm like, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. I know that the bigger picture is that we need corporations to take responsibility for what they're putting out into the planet. Like we need big systematic changes, but what I'm really trying to do is shift culture and Mm -hmm. shift our mindsets. And so every time you pick up that piece of trash, it's just a little shift in your mindset and, and it, leaks into every part of your life mm-hmm. yeah you know it's this ongoing practice like you're I, more thoughtful exactly it's all framed through outdoor advocacy and environmentalism but it's just a much bigger lofty idea of like becoming better humans yeah it's it's personal growth and it doesn't just manifest itself in the outdoors mm-hmm. it bleeds into everything else I, the I outdoors are an analog for ourselves ooh. within so pick up your own trash watch out um, <laughs> so I, I saw this thing online and it made me think of you. I don't know if I tagged you in it, but I may have not. Um, <laughs> oops. It was basically, we don't need a thousand people doing everything perfectly. We need 7 billion. Let's just say 7 billion. That's how many people are here, right? It's too many in the room. Um, <laughs> listening. Hey guys. Thank you. So studio audience for showing up today. Um, Good yeah, day. we need... 7 billion, maybe even 6 billion people doing it imperfectly. And it can be as small as picking up a piece of trash, but obviously it doesn't just stop there. Mm. It, it just will very naturally bleed into other aspects of your life, into being more thoughtful, into, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to ramble. It's just well, it's being like, more thoughtful. The piece of trash thing, you know, for me it started out, my parents always do um, cleanups when they go kayaking in the mangroves in Miami. They paddle out and have a good time, and on the way back, they always like fill up their kayak with, with as much marine debris they could possibly bring onto it. Mm-hmm. And so I started picking that up, and what I found is that, yes, I cultivated this habit of picking up trash every time I go outside, but then it transformed into this much bigger thing where now every time that I'm in like the grocery line mm-hmm. looking at those candy snacks or looking at, you know, deciding like what kind of product to buy, I envision that packaging as trash mm-hmm. like I think about like what's going to happen to this piece of plastic and then I suddenly find myself trying to find an alternative that has less plastic or I'm like well I guess I don't need those M&Ms today like are the M&Ms really worth the packaging mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if you do your best and throwing them out exactly where you should okay now it's up to other people to do it because your trash goes to a landfill and landfills go somewhere I, I think an infographic said the ocean one time mm-hmm. right and pretty much all is the ocean yeah yeah so so it's like that starting that you you generated a a mental and more importantly emotional momentum for yourself by like starting to pick up the candy wrapper off the ground Mm -hmm. and so now it's become something that you can't quite get out of your head whenever you go into public places Mm -hmm. and i think we we we're in that boat to some degree as well i think we're very slowly getting there which it makes me excited Uh, about a month ago i was in florida going on a run and halfway through the run i was like Okay, there's a lot of crap on this state park beach. It's very abnormal to me. Um, but it's just having the awareness and then picking it up. And unfortunately, you can't pick up everything. But it's just, I, I don't think it's about picking up the trash. I think it's about the mindfulness outside of that. And yeah. that's why it's important to pick up what is trash. Yeah, exactly. And it makes it's so strange. I'm sure you feel this to a tremendously higher degree than the way that I feel it. But when I see the trash and when I see areas that are incredibly messy, I can't I actually can't understand how people in 2019 think that it makes sense to throw 
a beer bottle into a bush. I, I, it doesn't register in my brain. Or set a, bot a glass bottle on fire because that's going to disintegrate. Glass bottle on fire? Yeah, like, what have you been reading? <laughs> What's that from? Well, if you see a lot of <laughs> these outdoor advocates in the desert, they do that. <laughs> well, they'll like they'll come upon like these fire pits in the desert or wherever, and people will throw their bottles, like a the beer bottle, a glass bottle in there, a glass bottle. In there. Okay. Because I don't know where else are they gonna put it? Because it's does it actually melt it? No, that's it just, my point. Oh, it just stays there. Oh wow. Okay. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that doesn't make any I sense. Mean, Throw so your. Weird. I don't understand. I don't understand. I I, I just don't get the whole so like much littering release just, like into nature um, part. That like a gust of wind comes and it blows it away because I just can't. I can't visualize the experience of having a piece of trash and being like I'm going to drop this now. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I just like I. For it's like dropping a child. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't identify with that. I just don't know what that what that what that feels like. Mm. Wow. Narcissism. <laughs> That's probably what it is. All roads need, lead to narcissism. Mm. Some guy's that? ego. Ooh. Mm. You're more important than the earth is what you're saying. Oh, that's that. another. Here's what so I was talking about. Wait, lack of on. empathy. Hold on. Let's hang on that point. Because what? that actually was an important point. Okay. What? what, what, what ego. Happened? In that certain circumstance, mm. you're more important. You're seeing yourself as more important than the earth. And I'm not trying to be hippy dippy here. Because I am. Katie is. But I'm not. But that's really, that's really what it boils down to. People that do that, if you're that kind of person, stop. Okay, go ahead, James. <laughs> uh, was that too abrasive? What I was gonna say now. No, I like the abrasive. Well, I think abrasive is is good sometimes. It's not mm -hmm. abrasive. It's just like direct and it's Truth. punchy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that Floridian thing, man. Yeah. It's, it's a Cuban in me. I get my boyfriend tells me all the time. He's like, "Man, you're just so aggressive. Like, it's like you're angry all the time. You're like, I'm not angry. I'm really happy right now. This is just the way that I speak. This is That's passionate. So this is passionate. <laughs> um, okay. It's funny because I can resonate with that. Because sometimes I feel like just like, hey, just just calm down a little bit. Like, yeah, I get I get a lot of whoa. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. I'm excited. He's like, are you? I thought you were mad. And I'm like, no, I'm stoked. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to ask. And I don't know if this is going to be offensive. So your family, Cubans, mm -hmm. um, something that I've experienced just whoa, with, whoa. <laughs> just with Haitians is there can be a lack of education. So mm -hmm. Haiti, like the environment there is just falling apart. Not just politically, but the actual physical Earth environment, deforestation, like it's absolutely insane. Um, and a lot of it is just through lack of education. They're just cutting down the trees to make charcoal so they can feed their family. Mm. So, and I don't know very much about balancing of priorities too. Yeah, for them, mm -hmm. I don't know very much about Cuba's history, but I feel like your parents are very enlightened, and that's where I feel like it might be offensive because I don't want to say that you know people from developing countries are just just under a rock, but I feel like your parents are enlightened. More enlightened than a lot of Americans in the sense of we're gonna go kayaking and then we're gonna come back and pick up some trash. So, mm -hmm. do you know what that? Because I know that they instilled that in you, but do you know what instilled that in them? I guess get a little bit Perhaps deeper. They separated themselves from other people in some way. My parents are just such good people. You know, they're just angels from heaven. Um, <laughs> what's interesting too, and like to go back even further, um, Cuba itself. I and I'm really grateful to my friend. Um, 
Dr. Kiona, who she runs a Hi, doctor. Thank you so much Thank for your you, wisdom doctor. and all your ways. She runs a really great platform and blog called How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch, which is hilarious. <laughs> but she gets into um, really great histories. And she profiled this whole piece about how incredibly sustainable Cuba actually is, which makes total sense because of the way that the the culture and society runs there. It's like, you have to be so resourceful. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no... You, you do not let things go to waste. You use everything. Mm-hmm. You reuse everything. Because it's so valued. Because yeah, everything's yeah, such yeah. A, a precious commodity. That's like the pri- the priority side. But the idea of, like, using... Um, uh, burning things to support yourself. That's like the opposite version of that. Where it's like, we can't waste anything. Yeah, it's sustainability out of necessity. Yeah. Which I think is so fascinating. But for my parents... Do you think, I'm sorry, do you think yeah. that that in America we we are able to waste things, so therefore we do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we can. There's no consequence. I've worked at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I mean. We throw so much, you throw so much stuff out at the end of the and day, we're you so, can. And we're so disconnected from the life cycle of a product. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you're on a tiny island and there's like no giant mysterious land fill for all your stuff to go to like you see where everything goes yeah um and so i think you know we're so disconnected here in modern american society from where things go mm-hmm. like do you know what's gonna happen in that plastic bottle you're drinking out of right now it's done sorry. you have no idea no you just put it in the trash and you, it just we, goes away we put it in the recycling i'll just eat it <laughs> there's actually <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's an actual <laughs> cracker. There's those trash cans in the airport that sounds like it's just eating your food. Mm, or not those. food. It, the compactor like, ones. The compactor yeah. ones. It's like, oh, I think it just disappeared. Like if I opened the lid to that trash, it would be gone. There's a bad They pool. shot it into a nebula somewhere like yeah. thousands of light years away. But that's actually really interesting that mm-hmm. I guess in Cuba, they're so connected to everything because they need to be that they almost value it even more yeah i know in for and there's no there's no excess there's no mm. you know we have so much overconsumption here and waste but in cuba you're waiting three hours in a line to get a half a chicken mm-hmm. yeah so you're not gonna well, waste that, no, that, well one of my favorite one of my favorite thing one of my favorite i don't know if you're about to say what i'm thinking <clears throat> Well, I was just going to talk about the fact that you don't waste any part of a chicken. Oh my gosh. If the I've, bones. Mm-hmm. I grew up in South Carolina and so it's like, she's gnawing on the bones. I've never experienced that before. Which now, culturally was kind of tough for me. Yeah, right. But, mm-hmm. And then you make the bones into soup. You yeah. Broth. Broth. Mm-hmm. I remember you struggled with that. I never thought it was weird because I've always been very open-minded about food and eating almost anything from the time I was a teenager. So I never thought it was strange and I never like looked down on it. I just thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, Not as many people are, are as enlightened as And you. I love that you'll you'll eat the, you know, because you'll eat like a fish eyeball, won't you? Yeah. I yeah, go. You'll eat a fish Ew. eyeball. Yeah. It's like, like there's like, earth, I guess. So you don't eat the, like, <laughs> there's like a hard part in the eye. You don't eat that. No, you don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's cooked, guys. Is that a Haitian thing, too? That's such a Cuban mm-hmm. thing. I just remember my, my abuela always trying to get me to eat the mm-hmm. eyeball of the pig. Because mm-hmm. it's good luck or something? I don't know. But yeah. I was, that was like the... Hard pass. That was like <laughs> the most valuable part of the fish. And like growing up, 
I would be like weird, but everybody else is doing it. So if I had the opportunity, because kids don't get to eat that very much, and they're like, mm -hmm. hey, do you want it? We have an extra eye, because, you know, one person didn't want it. <laughs> so many eyes. Yeah. Um, it's eyes laying around. But there's so much, like, that just makes me think of in Haiti, food is very important. Food's important everywhere, but like, if food starts to go bad, you make a soup out of it. You make right. a massive stew. If your tomatoes are starting to go bad, you smush them up and then yeah. you make tomato sauce. We don't. You don't eat the the plantain until it's it's pitch black. Black, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Which I was wondering. I don't know if you know this. Was that like they didn't know that the plantain tasted good until it went rotten, and they're like, we need to fry it and eat it. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I can't speak to the <laughs> I don't know. history of the plantain, but I don't know, that just, yeah, that's just my mind. They let the old person in the village eat it. They're like, okay, <laughs> he's, not, so he's about to go anyway, <laughs> so we'll see if it works out. He yeah. eats it, he's fine. Then they go, okay, I'll try it. And this they taste old. it, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Yeah. I think being more intentional about food is... We, we have two things, like right now in our fridge, we have two things of lettuce things, just like lettuce. And one of them is going bad. There's just a little bit left. Oh, that stinky smell that, that greens get when they go yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. Just black water, essentially. We haven't gotten there yet, but I was looking at it like, why do we have two of these? Like the second one's gonna go bad. Somebody else could have bought it. Um, but it's just having it as a commodity. I don't want to not have tomatoes, so I'm going to buy all of them, mm. so I can have them when I need them. The great tomato conundrum. The great tomato conundrum. We started talking, how do we get on the topic of food and eating and stuff? Mm -hmm. Cuba, mm -hmm. food, I did want food. To, I plantains, mm -hmm. stinky lettuce. Yeah. Here we are. Okay. okay. Beautiful. Go ahead, James. You can get a lot of places with those topics. Uh, how important... Well, I'm asking you this because I know it is important to you. Okay, so uh, talk about the importance of nuance and evidence. Because when you were on the NPR um, interview, one of the things you mentioned was that you, you attempt to have a nuanced approach to outdoor advocacy. So how important is uh, being very nuanced in your thoughts and, and not just taking um, really dramatic approaches and assuming things? How important is get, uh, taking time to research before you start, before you open your mouth and make things come out of it for your Instagram profile? So the, the first thing that I want to say is that you don't need to be an expert to become an outdoor advocate. And you, you don't need to be the expert on a topic to be able to start getting involved in it because that, that's a huge barrier for people. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know everything, so I don't want to get involved. So the I research to, is intimidating, which it yeah. should be. Which I, and, and <laughs> but there's like different levels of involvement, right? Like you can you can get involved on a baseline level, but if you're going to be acting as a leader or an educator in this place, like a lot of Instagram people are these days in this space, you need to be absolutely committed, first of all, to being qualified. There are so many people right now that are out here and we're acting as these community leaders, we're acting as educators, we're acting as experts in all these fields, but like, what's our qualifications? Mm -hmm. We're not trained for this. Do you see that as opinions. reckless? I see that as reckless. I see it as irresponsible, I do. Yeah. And, and But I understand why it happened. Mm -hmm. Because Instagram kind of gave us these accidental platforms to yeah. become these, like I didn't eke out thinking I was going to become like an educator mm -hmm. on outdoor issues. It just kind of happened. But 
recognizing it now and seeing where it's going through, I'm looking up, I'm trying to figure out what kind you have of a responsibility. Well, yeah, and I feel like I have a responsibility to, to go back to school now and take some sort of classes or a certification or something on like effective communication and education methods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we can't just be willy-nilly out here saying whatever we want to say and acting like that's, that's like from expertise or that's you know mm-hmm. like we're qualified to have these opinions. people are going to take your opinion as truth exactly well, and i suppose one of the the biggest issues with social media and all everybody having a voice is that we're so susceptible to emotional arguments and so the emotional if you can emotionally appeal to somebody in the right way they will start to believe what you have to say without researching it for themselves and that's horribly problematic yeah, and you have to that can change the entire culture. Well, and, and all these issues that we're trying to deal with too are complicated. Yeah. They're big, lofty topics. Mm-hmm. You know, climate change. We're trying to car, uh, curb our carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out if we should stop eating meat. We're trying to figure out how to effectively manage public lands areas. We're trying to figure out how to get people outside and get more people outside, but also do it in a way that isn't negatively impacting our public lands. Like these are big, complicated topics. And to approach a huge topic like this with such a black and white perspective, mm. I think is harmful in many, in many cases. You know, sometimes that's what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. But for so many of the issues that I dive into, you need to be willing to acknowledge the complications. You need to be able to acknowledge the the gray areas because that's where most things live is in this gray area. Mm-hmm. And we have to be willing to have conversations in order to both shift our perspectives. When I have one of these conversations on Instagram, I like it's a whole mental day for me. Like I have to put myself in this headspace to be ready to have these conversations. Because as much as I'm trying to teach people and present information and present the research that I've done or present my perspective, I have to be open to receiving feedback and receiving another perspective and being willing to listen to that and take that in and digest it and shift my perspective as well. Like if I'm asking people to change their minds, I have to be willing to change my mind too. Mm. Mm. Wow. That is a very hopeful thing, set of things that you just said. Because there, because everything is very dramatic and aggressive and polarized and headlines and all this stuff, and I think that that plagues the uh, the outdoor advocacy arena, and I think that that plagues um, anything that has to do with huge issues. And we have this weird tendency as humans to take these inc- insanely dynamic problems and uh, distill them down to something that we can digest. Mm-hmm. And that's that's scary. In that well, I think it's a symptom anything. of the internet as yeah. well. We're, we're this, we've become this culture of instant gratification and short attention spans. Like we can only digest a little bit of information. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna give me something, like you have to make it quick. Mm-hmm. So that's what ends up creating these like black and white this is absolute. Mm-hmm. Okay, move on with your day because we're not willing to have these conversations. And I think another big issue with the culture we've created through the internet mm-hmm. is that the conversations we have online are not the conversations that we would have face to face. Yeah. Oh, of course. People on the internet be acting a fool. Yeah. <laughs> people hide behind their keyboard. It's ridiculous. And I know that those people, if they were sitting face to face with me, would not say those things. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm trying to figure out a way to do is to like deconstruct those really toxic cultural norms that we've established as like being okay Mm -hmm. in the way we engage with other people on the internet 
And like, let's get back to being decent human beings who have just a baseline of respect and empathy for each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy ideas. Oh, I don't like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> so I have a question. Out of, out of everything that you just said, what is something that you think people are missing from? That's what I was gonna ask. Aww, oh squash. my gosh. You're so unified. We're so lit. You guys should say it in unison at the same time. What are we gonna say? What are we, okay, ready? Is one, it, no, we're gonna ask you the question. Is there three. something that miss people miss? One, two, three. Is there something that people miss? <laughs> I think that people are missing, and this is a, we're going to do some foreshadowing into the big project Ooh, oh my that I'm not quite ready to talk about yet, Get ready. but I'm really excited about people need to return to a connection to themselves. They need to return to a connection to their community and the people around them and each other. Mm. And we need to return to a connection to our food and the land. Mm-hmm. We're missing those connections. The, those real those tangible, smart statements. I like like that. the energy that is flowing between you right and now. I right now as we yeah. sit next to each other, like mm-hmm. we're missing that. And for as weird and intangible and like woo-woo as that energy that flows between us is, I think it's so important and powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it is real. I'm mm-hmm. sure there has to be some sort of science around there about the hormones were given off and the you think eye contact. I think eye contact has a lot to do mm-hmm. with it. It's weird to <clears throat> it's weird to speak to somebody and like make eye contact. <clears throat> There, this happened last week. We were make we were filming a podcast, and I realized that he shaved his face two days ago. Like there's, I think, I mean, everything else could be a bunch of malarkey, but eye contact and like looking at people's faces, mm-hmm. that's gotta be something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And whenever the th- the reason why you can know that's strongly true and that that's a powerful force is because whenever you do run into somebody who is connected with that on a daily basis when somebody who has who is actually present mm. and there you feel that it's like there's it, something about that person like yeah, oh I my like gosh. Them. <laughs> yeah it's like there's like a supernova coming off of them that and there's this connection there's eye contact they're listening to you mm-hmm. uh and yeah and i think that our the way that we interact with the way that we work and the way that we use our devices are inhibit that tremendously. Hmm. Yeah. So interaction and energy, you feel like is so that, how does that like, get yeah, how does that get out through advocacy? What do you mean? Like well, the conversation? Is there something cuz it cuz if if they're missing some uh, that's something that we're missing from life, but how does that get you from just being a more present person to um taking part in helping the world be a better place. Well, I think it's just, that's a, that's a part of my brand and method of outdoor advocacy. Yeah. It's, I'm asking people to care about places and mm-hmm. the planet and each other. And in order to care about that stuff, you have to be connected to it. Mm. That makes sense. And so in order to have stronger, more powerful, more dedicated advocates, I think that part of my work now needs to be like bringing us together in real life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, because we're, we're climaxing on, or we're hitting the, the capacity, the threshold for how much we can achieve on the internet alone. Mm-hmm. And so now we need to take the next step. Which is ironically make it more personal. Which is ironically get on It's like now. we're <laughs> coming full circle. We could have done that in the first place, but without the internet, you wouldn't have the platform to speak to as many people as you do you personally and overall storytelling wise of this whole issue 
Exactly. I think the internet and the digital space and Instagram is a great foundation. It's a great place to make those connections and to have those conversations to reach people on a big spread out level. But I think that it needs to be just one part of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So like step one is we connect on the internet and then it doesn't end there though. It's like the beginning mm -hmm. of a much bigger movement. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like sometimes there's such a friction in connecting with somebody in a conversation. And I think it comes from that disconnection. Mm. It's like I have to force myself to reconnect. And sometimes I feel like it takes me hours of like, I have to go to like a, a three hour long social creative event where I talk to people and then finally right near the end I go, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm fully relaxed and I'm having a nice conversation with somebody. It, now that might just have a lot to do with the fact that I'm a freelancer and I live in my apartment alone with just with you and we're just, our, a lot of times our interactions are like, uh, what, what are we going to be doing? Next? What are we doing with the car? We got to do the thing with the car. Yeah, this video. Okay. What time are we leaving? Right. Yeah. Well, it's a practice. It's an, I think it's an right. exercise. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. because we've gotten so disconnected from these like it's real life interactions. Muscle. Exactly. We have to practice that actively mm -hmm. until it becomes natural again to yeah, interact with humans around you, which is like such a bizarre thing that we have to be practicing right. how to engage with each other. But and then yeah, another thing is if you go hang out and you know we me and Christina have spent some time in Haiti. If you go hang out there and everything's much slower. Pace the same in Cuba. right? And so you you know people are just sitting outside on some rocking chairs, and then you sit yeah. down and you're like, wait, hold on, is this all we're doing? Yeah. Today? What? So, uh, guys. Oh, we just we just talk. When do we start editing? <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we just sit here and we just talk. Well, I wonder if that's a solution to this is something. That and then we eat and then we talk some more. This is a something. That sounds great. James actually. and I have been talking about for a while. Of. Okay, why are we so stressed out? We mm. are kind of on our own time, and mm. I think the time that we're most stressed is when we are not hitting the deadlines that we want to hit, and it's frustrating, but really we can just live on island time. Like, what are we, why are we stressing? We so, create our own priorities, I think, and yeah. I think what is closest to us on a daily basis is the stuff we fixate on. And so if what's closest to us is our projects, we get really we get really anxious about that but the interesting thing is if what what is closest to us was like there we live in Syria and bombs are dropping on our house the projects are a little bit unsubstantial mm. that that's that's something that's a little bit more important and so you have to focus on that versus the stuff we focus on smaller things like we don't have a war to, to fight so therefore we focus I mean okay. we, we focus on on these small things and then we make them into big things mm -hmm. it's the privilege of anxiety exactly we have this i've never heard of it that way beautiful, beautiful it's, and it's, it's something that i recognize and is part of why i kind of left my my last job and i'm trying to pare down on the work that i'm doing and really like focus is because i realized that i was living in this constant culture of this like false sense of urgency mm. where everything was mm -hmm. a fire alarm everything needs to get done right now everything mm -hmm. is a stressful deadline that i'm behind on mm -hmm. but like wh and what's that deadline like, yeah. it's like a false construct there's no yeah. actual deadline there right, right. this isn't something that's truly that urgent mm -hmm. i don't and all that time that you spend stressing out about it or being anxious it's taking about away it from it's taking away from it like what if you took all that energy that you spent being anxious about your 
deadline that you self-imposed, first mm-hmm. of all. Yeah. And instead, you use that time to, to relax. relax. Oh. I was going to say to work on it. No, to relax and to cultivate good energy for the two hours that you're going to spend mm-hmm. editing. Yeah. We yeah. spend all this, we waste all this time being like, pressured and being anxious and feeling like things are so urgent when most of the time they're not that urgent at all and so it's what did a you waste call of it? like life you called it something the privilege, the privilege of, anxiety. of anxiety because it's a false sense of it's a false sense of urgency it's a false or, construct is yeah i think she said mm-hmm. i feel like we are just speaking to my soul right now so wait okay <laughs> well, we, we, we don't, don't have to be we don't have, there's there's literally absolutely nothing wrong mm-hmm. in our lives right now there's yes. nothing yes. truly going wrong in our lives right now so, because of the way that human brains work, we have to create something. Great problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to create a boo-hoo way. for me. Right. When really, there's nothing. We I have the it. greatest life. Like, look around. We're yeah. podcasting. We could not be any more privileged. Yeah. And, like, and that's what I've been struggling with. It's like, why am I so... Like, last night is an amazing example. I got home from Idaho. I had an amazing two days. I have all this content to edit. Yay, yay, yay. Photo, video. High five, everyone. And I am am going to be leaving the country very soon. And I just got so anxious. And it's like, I'm going to be leaving the country in nine days. And I have to get all this stuff done. And like, oh my gosh. And then I was sitting there like, why am I anxious? I just got back from Idaho. I'm doing exact. I want to leave the country in nine days. Like, this, is, this, like, couple, this is the dream couple that weeks I've, ago. You're like, I just want to leave the country. <laughs> yeah. This is the dream that I've created. But for some reason... I'm not, it's not that I'm not satisfied, but I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. Why am I anxious? And that's something that I've been having to think about. You mentioned the last podcast that we recorded, remember guys? Um, <laughs> uh, an app called Forest Planting. It's just called Forest. Oh, it's, so called it's an app called Flora. Forest. It's called Flora. No. Oh, I think <laughs> no. I got the wrong app. I'm sure it's the same. But yeah. The one that I use is called Forest. And it's an app where you just set a timer for yourself and you can set it anywhere from like 20 minutes to a full hour. And it kind of monopolizes your phone screen. So if you try and click out of the app, it prompts you like, are you sure you want to do that? And the whole point of it is that every time you complete a focused session using this app, Mm -hmm. it plants a tree. Yeah. So if you try and like, if you get a text message and you try and open it up, this little pop-up that happens and it's like this sad little tree and he's like, are you sure you want to kill me? Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh, no, I don't. Okay, I'm going to focus. It's more intentional time. And I think what you're saying is when you allow yourself to rest and relax and have peace, then that intentional time, you can probably execute 10 times the amount of what you were to do. Like, honestly, there's no reason that we shouldn't work four hours. Four-hour work week, guys. Yeah, why? why what is the point of operating under that construct of like stress and anxiety like how much greater could your work be and your Mm -hmm. art be if you were producing from a place of like satisfaction and contentness and joy instead Mm -hmm. of stress and anxiety like Mm -hmm. sounds like two very different artistic expressions to me and one of the things we don't do well enough i think is nourish our passion for Mm -hmm. for what we we're trying to be up to and uh, one of the ways that you do that is you step away from your work for a little bit. You go walk in the, mm. the woods and you take some intentional time where you're, you're actually not getting things done. And then out of that, 
you can come back in and use that passion to pull you as mm-hmm. opposed to having to push with your willpower and push and pull are two different things. And that's that's a big thing that comes up in advocacy work is this idea of like getting burned out. Because mm-hmm. we get burned out so much because we're dealing with, you know, what's going on you're in Alabama at, right now, like big yeah, political things that are so you, like, ooh. You're working against the grain. Oh, yeah, you have, to, you have to be able to recharge yourself because if you just run yourself into the ground, you're mm-hmm. not gonna be able to show up as a powerful advocate because mm-hmm. you're gonna be exhausted. Right? You described it as a never ending war in one of your posts. I thought that was interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think you did, right? I also really did like, I make um, that up? my letter board right now is like very on point with what you're saying. What? what so I have this nourish? reminder above my desk Ooh. on my letter board that says nourish what nourishes you, mm-hmm. which is just like a constant reminder for me to like take a step away from the desk and go hang out with my plants for 15 minutes mm-hmm. to just recharge. Mm-hmm. Cause you got to keep your soul alive. Would you consider outdoor advocacy that though? Like a never ending war? I would consider any sort of advocacy or, or political work. To be, yeah, a never-ending battle. So you gotta be prepared for that if you're going into it. But it's really great and fulfilling, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Come join me. Well, I mean, no, all the most important things in history have, to them, at that time in history, it was a never-ending war. Yeah, it's... it's. And then we look back on, like, what was happening in the Roman Empire and the, the insa- you know, whatever insanity they were dealing with in that day, and maybe we don't deal with that anymore. You know, maybe we don't, we don't put people on... St- Stakes in the street and that sort of thing. We maybe we've grown past that, but at that time it was a never-ending war. At least not in Utah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen it. <laughs> now, now, uh, you know. Okay. Kansas. <laughs> Kansas is rowdy. There. What a place, mm-hmm. right? It's really flat there. Lots of fields. I'm just um, kidding. It's very beautiful. They have a lot of wind turbines. I just realized that this has gone super, super long. So if you've listened to this far, two claps for you because wow, I. I really got excited towards the end. Hour no some odd minutes. Could be longer. Could be longer. Okay. Alright, gone. Hmm. Do I look like Joe Rogan to you? He does have some long podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderfully long. Yeah. It's great because I, I can like I can span one of his podcasts over like a week. I think a that's week. probably by design actually. Maybe. Like, I think he, the way, as laid back as Joe Rogan is, I feel like he probably just started talking to people and all of his conversations tend to just end at around three hours. Hmm. Like yeah. he's, 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 he plays by nobody's rules. We all have that one neighbor, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> the one that could, you know, the joke that I just made, remember? Ha <laughs> ha, guys, okay. Wow. No, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the point of the joke was that everybody has that one neighbor okay. that like can always like carry on a conversation mm-hmm. and then they'll, you know. So I can only imagine that it's so profound that I'll realize what you said tonight and it'll change my life forever. You're welcome. Is this a good place to wrap it up? I think so. I think it is. Katie, thank you. <laughs> or just the, the toils of sharing a mic. Um, thank you for your time again. We really enjoyed this conversation. This is like double the... You guys are getting double the goodness right now. You don't even know it. Yeah. But this podcast is a product of recording one podcast, mm-hmm. reflecting mm-hmm. and improving, refining, and yes. then recording again in a similarly rambling style. But that's just the way we do things around here. Yeah. yeah. No, it's because like, you don't want, like, okay, here we go. I know that you're going to say something about ramble, but I'm about to go so ham, okay? If we weren't rambling, you wouldn't have the time to digest what we were saying. I do really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. So, so if, you're welcome. I see what you're saying, right? Yeah. If the rambling wasn't there and it was just all <laughs> meaningful words, they would go by so fast that you wouldn't be able to process them. So the mm-hmm. rambling is important. 
Yes. I wonder, I would love to hear when we listen to this podcast because so many podcasts, when they ask questions kind of quickly and the person always responds with, yeah, totally, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we had any of that here because no. we had enough time to come up with just the answer. Yeah, yeah. but we don't cut this. I edit the audio so it's crisp and pristine for your sweet little eardrums. Um, but I want it to be just like... Full ramble. Full ramble. Aardvarts. Lampshades. We'll link below to Katie's things. Um, <laughs> feel free to check her out. She has a fantastic Instagram account. Um, is there, where else would they want to find you other than Instagram? You can find me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Katie Boue, last name B-O-U-E. It's a little weird. Oh, my GoPro turned off. We all, we, we carry on. Oh, GoPro is off now, which is good because I think it was kind of getting a weird boob angle on me. And <laughs> you, you can find me online at my name, Katie Boue, anywhere. You can hop on my blog that doesn't seem to ever die, themorningfresh.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Katie Boue. Let's make a business connection. LinkedIn is popping these wow. days. I love LinkedIn. Yeah. Do you have an audio clip on your LinkedIn account that does that? <laughs> LinkedIn, Katie Boue. <laughs> Let's make a business connection. <laughs> I think that would elicit a lot of really creepy. Maybe so. You <laughs> <laughs> might get the wrong yeah. clientele. <laughs> Do you have feet? Okay. Um, yes, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us ramble on about outdoor advocacy content creation, a little bit of Cuban stuff, a little bit of food, Mm. some old leafy greens, right? Um, It's always a good thing to put in the middle of a podcast, old leafy greens. Yeah, if you like old leafy greens, make sure to subscribe to this podcast because we put the... Growing old leafy greens together. Yeah, um, we create these every single week with new rambles for your sweet little eardrums. Ramble on, listeners. Ramble on. Guys, let's make a business connection. (laughs) Okay, bye.